In this episode of the Curtis Bar Podcast, I'm joined by musician, music business educator, entrepreneur Fabiana Clare. Uh, this was a great episode, man, because Fabiana was actually introduced to me by her podcast agent, and I think it was great because we had an awesome conversation because we speak a lot of the same language. She is very much uh, someone who is all about helping creatives learn how to take their creativity and turn it into a business and really understand how to navigate and intertwine entrepreneurship and creativity in business. Um, you know, she's from Bolivia originally, originally but, you know, was married to a, a, a Cuban, you know, pianist, as well as she the pianist. And um, she also talks about uh, her creating her, her business school and how she was able to do that and that turn and, and and put that together to be still thriving to this day and then she ended up getting a position at the University of Texas where she was the director of the music business entrepreneurship program for five years until she decided to go on her own and um, to create her music business mentorship program called the music 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 prof, profit uh, business profit umbrella, where she teaches, like I said, creatives online how to navigate business and entrepreneurship, and I just love that. You know, we talked about the old world versus the new world of how it used to work back in the day with, with, with the record label entry to how it's working now. We talked about systems and, and how they play a role in um, being successful today, guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and so many gems here, guys. Have fun. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Encourage Fire Podcast. This is episode number 53, and, I, and I've got a new guest here with me today. Fabiana, am I saying your name correctly? Can you hear me? Yes, Fabiana. Okay. <laughs> yes, 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 awesome. Fabiana is with me, and uh, how do you say your last name? Chloré. Chloré. That's how I wanted to you said it, and I said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So, Fabiana, Chloris, with me. So, it's interesting. You know, we got connected through your podcast agent, so which we just found out prior to recording. So, that's very cool. I think I'm going to need one because I like to talk and get the message out to independent creatives. So, this is really awesome. So, the premise of my podcast is called the Encourage Inspire Podcast. So, I usually cover three you know, one of three topics, either disability awareness, where obviously I was born with cerebral palsy and which is obviously a common disability that everybody has. But what's uncommon is you don't see many people like me in the music industry doing what I do. <laughs> so the other topics I like to talk about is music business topics. And the third is, is people's stories that encourage and inspire me. Uh, and, and so, and, and, and so it's really cool to have someone like you on here to talk about the music business and talk about and, and your story and things like that. So it's really awesome to have you. So thank you so much for, for being my guest today. 
Thank you, Durrell. I'm delighted to, to be here and have a conversation with you in your community. Awesome, awesome. So I can hear an accent. So where are you, where are you originally from? You know, it's interesting. Every time I get that question asked, it's always a long answer. So get ready. Okay. okay. <laughs> my, uh, my, my, um, my accent is undefined. I'll tell you why. Because I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and my parents are Bolivian. And I grew okay. up in different parts of the world. I lived in the U.S. I lived in Bolivia. I also lived in Cuba. Okay. And I'm now married to a Cuban pianist. So we speak Spanish in the house. Um, uh, so my accent isn't really, I don't know if it's Bolivian Spanish accent or Cuban Spanish accent or just international accent. It's, definitely, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint exact location. It's, uh, it's definitely international. Speaking of Chicago, it's funny. I was born in New York, raised in Orlando, but I am a Chicago Cup fan, diehard baseball fan. They're like, how can you be born in, in, in Brooklyn, New York, raised in Orlando, Florida, and you're a Cub fan? I said, it's really simple. You know, back, here, in the, here back in the 90s here in Orlando, you only really had two options, four options, the, or three, the Braves, the Sox, and the Cubs because of WGN and TBS, right? The Turner. And so at, back then in 1998, uh, I used to watch the Cubs play because Sammy Sosa was my favorite player. And so he played for the Cubs at the time. So I just became a Cub fan. And I've been a Cub fan ever since. <laughs> wow. There you so, yeah. go. And then the artist that I manage, Xavier Keys, the R&B actor that I manage, he is from Chicago. So there's another Chicago oh, wow. connection. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, see, there you go. It's always a small world at the end of the day. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. So, um, so tell me, I always like to ask this question. What are your earliest memories of being introduced to music? Oh, that's a cool question. Well, yeah. you know, no one in my family was a musician. Okay. And my my dad bought me a little, a little toy piano keyboard when I was like five years old or something. And my mom would always sing me a bedtime song. Um, the most beautiful girl in the world is Fabiana, right. my Fabiana. <laughs> And I would just, she saw me one night uh, playing the song by ear, just playing around with my little toy keyboard at five years of age. Um, and she just decided maybe she wants music. Maybe she would like music. And so she started me on piano lessons. We were living in Africa at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, in Maputo, in Mozambique. And, uh, and so she started me with some piano lessons there. And then we moved to back to the US and then we moved to Bolivia. And then I really started my formal music studies around the age of eight or nine years old in a, in a special music school for gifted children in Bolivia. Uh, so that was my earliest memory of just being introduced to music. It's kind of, I was drawn to it just by my own d desire, really. No one really, you know, Very made me cool. take I just, I was drawn to it. You know what, that, and that's the beautiful thing about music. I always tell people, we can't live life without it. It's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to go through life without music because the emotion and, and what and we need it because people, music saves lives. And believe it or not, people can do without air conditioning. Some of the things that people <laughs> can't do without, they can really do without it. But when it comes to music, you know, and, and movies and things of that nature, but even more than music, you know, we can't live without it. We cannot. It literally is it saves lives. That's why it's so powerful for the things that you and I do and what we do to help creators because a lot of them have a message that they want to get out there and, 
and, and to do it. And, and I think it's the best time to because of the control that you have, even though it's what I like to say, the internet is clutter fucked up, <laughs> clutter fucked up everything, you know, when it comes to people getting their stuff out there. But man, and that's just because we can't live without music. We cannot, we can't live without it. I'm a firm believer in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's almost like it's a blessing and a curse because I'm, you know, in the work I do with musicians, I see so many of them struggle with not having that creativity fulfilled, even though they may be making money and making a living. Mm-hmm. They're working in these places where they're just like, yes, I'm surviving. I'm providing for myself and my family, but I'm like, dying inside because i'm not mm. fulfilling my artistry i'm not fulfilling my creativity right uh, and, it, and it's like almost like it erodes their soul when you don't nurture it when you yes. don't feel it so this is kind of how i like to say that it's like it's a blessing and a curse because it gives us this beautiful outlet for creativity for those of us who embark in becoming musicians and you know making music part of our lives but if we try to tamper it down and put it in the back burner then it becomes a hole and it starts eroding a hole in our soul and in my case, particularly, I, I felt that for many years when I was too focused on the business side and on build, building my business and not paying enough attention, I can really relate to that. So that's why I really believe that it's something we need to bring to the forefront every time when we're having these conversations. It's like, yes, we want to make money, but we want to do it on our terms. We want to do it feeling fulfilled creatively and artistically. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree. I totally agree. So when did you know? So when did you decide you want to get into the education space, uh, particularly you know, corporately, which you were for a while. And and so when did you kind of know you wanted to do that? You know, um, I I always was interested in the business side of music ever since finishing my education, finishing my doctoral degree in music. I became fascinated with the topic of music business and entrepreneurship. I started my own business. I started my music school back in 2011. And after five years of, of building the business, learning how to run it, you know, allowing it to survive those critical first few years in business, which we know are always the most difficult ones, the most dangerous ones. I realized that there were so many other musicians out there that could benefit from what I had learned through my own experience. And so I started looking for other places to serve and the university of north texas was in the process of, cre- of, of initiating a new movement a new strategy a new initiative to help their music students not just graduate being really good players but right. also know how to make a living right so they invited me to to you know they appointed me the director for the program and my family and i moved from florida which is where we were living and running our music school to okay. texas I was in Florida. What part? What part of Florida were you? We were in Miami. Okay, so I was. I'm in Orlando, so yeah. Yeah, not too far from you. Right. So we we flew over Orlando and came to Texas, and uh, and we had to restructure our school actually, so it would continue running without us there. Okay. Undertaking that my husband and I put together, and it's like we had eight months to figure it out how we would do it, but we were able to do it. We left the school, we kept it running, you know, from Texas and I took over UNT and I built their program for five years and I was able to um, reverse engineer the things that I had created in order to teach musicians how to do it themselves. And many of our music students build businesses while still in school, they built all their, their, you know, for-profit brick and mortar stores, 
nonprofit musical organizations. They also were uh, you know, able to find great job opportunities, become appointed faculty positions in other music universities and working for the Dallas Symphony Orchestra and things like that. That was just fantastic to kind of see how uh, how I was able to break down the, the the strategies that I had done in my entrepreneurial journey to help other musicians succeed. Uh, and so that was a five-year process of doing it in the context of a university. And then in 2020, I decided that my uh, expertise could potentially benefit from others outside of the university setting. Right. People kept coming to me for advice. They associated me with this role of being a university educator in music business. So I didn't realize what would happen if I were to open up myself to the online space and start helping musicians online yeah. all around the world. Uh, yeah. And after a year and a half of, of kind of dipping into both worlds, meaning keeping my full-time job, plus building my online global business mentorship program that is now the Musicians Profit Umbrella, uh, I decided uh, a year ago, actually, in May of 2021, to jump all in, yeah. to jump all in. And I quit my full-time job with benefits, tenure track position. Most of my peers thought I was insane. <laughs> and I just said, you know, this is my calling. I really feel it's now time for me to go all in into my online business. I know I can help so many musicians uh, really build their businesses in the online space. And for the last year now, I've been doing that full time. That is wonderful. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 feel, I feel like I'm, you know, I personally love the one-on-one -on -one coaching because um, it's easy, <laughs> but, uh, all, but it's hard with thing with that you can't scale it. So that's the thing about one on one. Even though one on one is a deep dive, and I love the deep dives and things like that. Well, when you do the one to many approach, which is the online coaching, you know, I feel like I'm gonna have to go ahead and bite the bullet <laughs> and figure out, you know, figure out, um, um, figure out a way to kind of you know create that. I'm in the process of of putting together. Um, I already have it called my framework. I call it the genesis of super fan building because super fan building, super fans are everything. Super fan is a core, a core audience, is, as we both know, is, is really the only way that indie creatives are going to be able to survive in this space. You know, you, you can't really do it any other way, you know, unless a label is going to come and, and, and labels are coming to save you. If artists who are looking for labels come save them. Um, <laughs> That, that's just not the way it works anymore. So I think the only real way to survive in this space is to find the pocket of people that love you, focus on them. <laughs> yep. yep. And to have one same consistent message and strategy. Exactly. That's also part exactly. of what, what I think is important. And exactly. exactly. Offers yeah. too many diluted messages. People don't understand what we're really about. So exactly. Absolutely. I completely agree. I completely agree. That's why the that's why if you go to my socials and my things, all I talk about is core audience, core audience, core audience. You know, and, and because that that's what I want my centralized message to be. When I tell people all the time, there's enough space for all of us. All of, that's why I'm so supportive. I'm supportive for everybody. I'm supportive. Hey, I, what are you doing? How can I support you? Because there's enough space for all of us to win. You know, there's there's no such thing. There's 8 million artists across the world. So there's enough for all of us to follow the piece, right? <laughs> right? There, there's not a lack of artists out there, creatives that need what we do. Because as you know, the education is the number one missing link for majority of creatives because our industry is unregulated. You don't need to have a license to go, you know, some sort of, you know, certification to be a creative professional. And so people who start creating 
don't necessarily want to learn the business because the truth is when you first start it's not really sexy <laughs> so and, it, and 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 there's a lot of stuff you have to learn and most creative brains work one way for me to create i want to create all day that's all i want to do and it's kind of <laughs> you can't really uh unless you have a team around you handling the business i.e a record label things like that or or team it's hard to just focus solely on the creative side you know yes yes absolutely and I think the sooner musicians and creatives realize that, as you said, no one's going to save you. No one's going to rescue you. And honestly, I also like to make them realize that it's not your fault that you don't know anything about business. Like you focused most of your career on becoming a musician. And we all know how hard it is to be good at what you do, to develop that craft, right? So we're musicians, we get it. But when it comes to, you know, becoming financially prosperous, building that engine that will allow you to be free and creative and do the things you want to do in your life, not just from a creative standpoint, but from a, from a lifestyle standpoint, like how much time do you want to live with your you know, family? How much time do you want to spend traveling? How much time do you want to be able to take time off? Like all those things that are basic freedom choices, you have to take the business building part seriously, as seriously as you have your craft all this time. Right. And when you make that realization, when you make that commitment of like, I need to learn this, I need to learn this, then it actually, it, it's not that hard because there's a lot of transferable skills that right. musicians develop that can be transferred into business. We're really actually good at business when we want to do it, when we're right. willing to. Absolutely. I'll tell, like, I tell people like, you know, systems are important, funnels are important, you know, things to make it easier so you can all you have to necessarily do is drive traffic, you know, and things like that. You know, I'm, I'm not an expert on ads. And, and so the reason why I, I kind of created the framework that I created was because I see a lot of people on social media saying, run ads, run ads, run ads. And I'm like, no, the, the foundation, they need the foundation more than anything, in my opinion, before they even start running the ads. So I focus more on the foundation. Why are you doing what you're doing? The brand positioning statement, right? What the community you want to serve, who you are. Why should somebody care? You know, because once you figure that part out, then we go into the buyer fan persona or the character analysis, people call it, the fan avatar. You know, all is all the same, but about that. Who is your ideal fan or, 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 or supporter? What do they look like? And we personify that. <laughs> I think your audio is is not working right now, Durrell. Yeah, I'm not hearing you right now. Hey guys, we had some technical difficulties. Um, sorry about that. We're back. What was the last thing you heard me say? That once you understand how to position yourself strategically, right, then you focusing more on who your ideal clients are. Exactly. Right. Personifying them. Right. Exactly. And because for me. Everything kind of starts on social. The reason why we do those exercises is because we have to go to social because that's where the people are. So you have to know. Am I still coming through clear? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have. So the reason why I feel like a lot of artists don't like social media is because they don't necessarily know what to post on social media consistently. Right. The the three pillars of fan engagement: authenticity, uh, consistency, sustainability. You know, 
And so authentically, it's like, who are you? Like, what makes you you, right? Consistency is showing up every single day when you don't want to. And then the last part about that is sustainability is creating a system that allows you to sustain and build your audience, right? So, so being able to consistently show up, you know, every day and, and knowing what your message is. We were talking about earlier about knowing your message, what your messaging is, centralized message. It makes it much easier. What are, what are like the problems that you want to solve? You know, that's so key. I tell creators all the time, you're a problem solver. That's what you do. You solve, your music solves problems for people. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I try to break it down from that perspective because I think it's much easier to focus that way on the foundational pieces of what it means to build community and build a core audience, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And these are so, so important. And one thing I can add to this um, is that you don't need to do things like manually in order to be consistent. You can schedule things out. You can batch content. You can put things together strategically, right? This is the the way I love helping musicians realize in order for you to create an effective omnipresence online and appear all the day, all every day, everywhere, or however you want to be. Right. You can design that omnipresence. You exactly. don't have to be live and do the things every single day. You can schedule it out. You can create the right systems and, and strategies to give the illusion that you're every day, everywhere, yeah. but instead you're not. You're taking a nap. You know, right. I believe it's important to see this process of becoming consistent and omnipresent online, knowing that it doesn't require has to do it manually. Absolutely. No, you're totally right. You know, you're totally right. It's like it's like my buddy Rick Barker, thanks for a meal with him. Rick says, you know, be present on certain platforms, be present on all platforms, be you can be active only on certain platforms. You know what I mean? So the platforms that I'm I'm at I'm present on pretty much on what am I present on? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm present on Twitter, but I'm mostly active on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, because those are the platforms that I like to, I like to bring my message on, you know, so you're exactly right though, you know, being able to batch content, schedule content out just makes it much easier to continue, people to continuously see your message and build trust over time, you know. And that's what makes it sustainable in the long run. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, you talked about, so, you know, your, your, your friend, your, um, let's see, we talked about some of this stuff already. Okay. We'll go into this. Um, I want to talk about obviously some of the topics that, that, that can help creators like we were just talking about, but, one of the things you said is the old world versus the new world of being a uh, being a, a professional. I don't like to use the word recording artist because I think it's an old term, in my opinion, uh, for the independent. I, I, I like to use the word content creator with a focus on music. I think that's kind of the new. I That's just my take on it. People might. But I, I don't necessarily really use the word recording artist because I feel like you know, in the old days, in the record label, record label driven days, it was about the record and still is about the record. But it's today it's more about you gotta have con- you, you can't just put your record out without a content strategy behind it. You know, that's the difference. 
You know what I mean? So, so what, 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 what do you, what's your take on kind of the old world versus the new world? What's the biggest difference in your opinion? Oh, I love that. A content creator with a focus on music. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Because what a great way to put it. Like, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's about building a movement. Yeah. Making sure people understand the essence of what you stand for as an artist, the essence of your story as an artist, the essence of what you can do for others through your work. And then as a byproduct of all of that content comes the actual product, which is whatever it is you want to sell. It could be music. It could be music lessons. It could be coaching around music and other topics. It could be whatever. But first and foremost is the brand, the content, like the story, right? So what I think in terms of comparing the old versus the new is that, you know, we used to depend much more on gatekeepers, right? Yeah. Yeah. We used to depend on on having people give us permission to stand in our authority, give us permission to reach our ideal audiences, connect our ideal audiences to us through them record labels, publishing industry, um, you know, media outlets, uh, agents, all those things were before the way that musicians were able to reach their audience. And when you got yourself one of those gatekeepers in your team, you were lucky. But if you didn't, you were pretty much doomed. It was really hard for you to become successful and to reach your audience. Um. And people were much more um, impressionable. They would listen much more to the gatekeepers than they would to an artist directly. They would go by referral, so to speak. They would listen to the you know record labels who would say, here's who you should pay attention to. This is the next upcoming artist. Listen to them. Versus now, there's no barrier to entry. Anyone can proclaim and become known they can build up a social media presence put some videos pictures start putting content out there and reach their fans directly without anyone giving them permission right and this is a blessing and a curse like i always say right here's the thing like musicians have no excuse not to put themselves out there like it's easier than ever to build a brand and to connect directly with your potential clients right but at the same time you have to have a strategy Yes. In order to break through the noise, because yes. it's easier than ever, there's a lot of people who are just making noise, who are coming out and who are doing lots of things, uh, and who are not necessarily being strategic and consistent, and they're just creating a lot of overwhelm and confusion in the marketplace. Right. And so, in order for us creatives to stand out and to come out with a compelling message and allowing our ideal clients to attract their uh, values to what we're sharing. We need to be able to filter out all of the confusing messages that are out there and help people really tune into the essence of who we are and what we want to represent and what we stand for and what are the changes that we want to see happen in our industry and what are the things that we should call out also, right? And be able to do that from a place of genuine, you know, authenticity, from a place of conviction, uh, and then from a place of true belief that what we want to build is worth it. And we're excited about it. And we can't wait to bring it to the world. Like you talk about the work you do and how you help creatives and all of that. And you you could sense your passion. Like it's a topic that 
that you're interested in and that probably if you have a family gathering with friends and family like you probably would be very happy to just talk on and on and on and on about you're right. it's like a passion right. right that's the thing it's how can musicians discover what is this thing even though they may be good at many other things how can they identify the one overarching passion that they love helping people achieve right and focus on developing that and talking yes. about that this doesn't mean that they have to ignore all the other things that they do, but they need to know that if you talk about five different things, people are not going to be able to make a decision. A confused mind will never choose. So that's, I think, one of the challenges that for musicians, you know, as, as overwhelmed as we are when we go online and we see the different types of content, you need to know, okay, but when it comes to me, this is the positioning. This is the thing that I want people to associate me with, and I don't want there to be any confusion. Absolutely. Right? How can you come up with that? That's the question. Absolutely. That's why the brand positioning statement is so true. Like, because that statement, if you do it right, right, it'll give you the clear vision of what you want to be. And it's interesting. Can somebody do that exercise? The creatives I work with, they always say, I never looked at it that way. And it's not as easy to put to craft that, you know, as they think it is. They think it's easy. Oh, that's easy. You know, and it's not as easy as you think it is because you usually don't think in that perspective of what's my brand position, you know? So, but you're so right. You have to have that, that same centralized message because again, your content is going to show. I'm sure, like I said, if you look at my content, you can tell quickly, like what I talked about and everything I talk about is the same. Now I might switch up the delivery, but the message is going to be the same. You know what I mean? You know, it might be, it might be a video, it might be a lyric code, it might be some, whatever I'm, talking about and you know but it's always going to be coming back to build your core audience build community that type of deal because that's the only real way it's going to work you know so i love that i love that um are you good on time are you okay yeah yeah absolutely okay great 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 just want to like i said want to respect your time um so another thing you always talk about i saw you you know reading in your one sheet things like that about helping creatives kind of think like startup companies you know, and, and and what are your thoughts on that as far as creatives kind of thinking like that? Because some of them, like you said earlier, we're good at business, but they don't necessarily think about themselves that way. Because they don't, they're like, say, I don't like to sell. I hate selling. I'm like, selling, we sell every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, with a question on selling. And I think that's such an important topic because there's a lot of, um, I think, resistance in the creative community uh, and taboo even to the topic of selling. There is a negative connotation associated with the word selling. And I remember personally the first time I was encouraged by my coach to, to reach out to my community and to explore how I could help them uh, and 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 consider who could potentially be a client. Who could I really like serve in a greater capacity? I felt the same initial resistance. I was like, I don't really know anyone in my community that I could serve or support. I prefer putting just a flashy website out there and hope that complete strangers come to me and right. they just want to hire me. Like I want it to be that way. I don't want to have to tap into my people and like that's really so awkward. I don't want to feel salesy. It, all these limiting beliefs started coming right at me. So I know, I know how that feels and I get, I get this, but it only happened when I started really exploring 
the concept of what I'm actually doing in the process of selling, which is I am not trying to give someone something they don't want right. and something they don't need. Right. I am offering someone who needs my my experience, my gifts, my guidance, the opportunity to become transformed and to get the results that they know they want. And when we think about content creation and like I'm a content creator, I'm building this brand, I'm building all this content mostly for free. You're drawing people to you, but you know, we all know that the ultimate transformation will not be possible simply by people consuming your free content and kind of just living for free on your, on your Instagram feed and consuming all of that. You know that the ultimate transformation will happen when you can guide them to go from step A to Z, get them to that final destination. That's when you know the people you want to help are really going to get the best results. So if you don't offer them that opportunity, if you're not willing to invite them to work with you and to be direct and show up from a genuine desire to serve, because this is what we're ultimately doing through selling. We're, it's the culmination of our serving. It's yes, you serve initially and draw people to you through your content. But if you don't invite them to become a client, a paying client, they're most likely not going to get to the end of their destination. They're not going to get that result. So I see sales as the ultimate act of serving. Absolutely. Because what we got to realize is that when you, when you work at a chance to come into our world, you get so much more than what you think you're going to get. I tell people all the time, you get, not only do you get access, because if you want the knowledge, it's out there. You get, you don't have to pay for it. It's there. But what you don't, what you understand, when you come to our world, you're getting experience. You're getting our experiences. A way to, to share that knowledge with you to make it um, digestible, uh, to make it uh, interesting, where it makes sense. So there's so many things. And most importantly, in a lot of business, you get access to our network. And I think people don't understand. So it's much, much more than just, oh, come into my world and pay me some money or whatever it is. But there's, you get way more than that if you really think about it. A fortune with creatives, I find, is that they are they're always like, oh, come, oh, you should work with me for free, man. We're going to make millions and millions of dollars together. <laughs> and I always laugh because I'm like, no, no. Because what they think, and then what they say is, oh, I need a manager. I said, no, you don't. You need mentorship. That's what you need. When you people send in the manager, <laughs> I, I said, uh-uh. I said you need mentorship and guidance, you know. And then, because to me, the only way management works is like family. It's the only way it yes. works. It's a trust. It's a marriage. You have to, you it's have to believe yeah. in each other, right? And because the the so so many creatives think the grass is greener on the other side. If you're managing, if you're managing an artist, and and you believe in them and you put a lot of sweat equity into what, you know, to, to try to help them build their careers. Then they, and then someone else comes along and says they can do better. You're thinking, oh, well, let me go over here. This is the new shiny, I call it the new shiny toy. Not understanding that person who you think is shiny, they don't actually care about you. They care about what they think you can do for them, right? And, but the person that was with you before, they care about who you are. They've been going through the trenches with you. So it's a different type of relationship. So that's why I'm very, very, very reluctant to manage um, a lot of artists. I only really manage to and one extensively as my flagship, Xavier Keys. And 
I chose to, when he initially wanted to work with me as a manager, I said, hell no, as I do to everybody. <laughs> and I saw his work ethic. I saw the fact that he sold 300 albums in two days. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. so he so he, he intrigued me enough. So, okay, now I want to work with him. And it's been seven and a half years. And, and you know, we're like brothers now. So, uh, and that's, the, there's a trust there. You know, so that's why I always say I'm very, very, very reluctant to manage a bunch of artists because management is a thankless job and you have to be built for artist management. Not everybody's built for it, you know. <laughs> you really yeah, gotta... It makes total sense. Yeah and, yeah. and I think that speaks so importantly to the concept of owning your career, right? Owning right. your outcome, this desire that you mentioned, oh, I just want to get a manager. Um, I heard that so many times in my days working at the university and coaching musicians and guiding them and asking them, you know, what's your vision? What do you want when you get out of school? You're here, you're practicing eight hours a day. You're getting this degree. What do you want to happen? What do you want to see happen when you finish? And I can't tell you how many times the answer was like, I just want a manager to take me on, you know, and just, just get my career to the next stage. And they have no idea what that really means. Cause they don't understand the manager works for you. You know, the manager will only you only can do what you give them access to do. And if you have right. nothing going on, they just can't magically get you paid. It doesn't work like that. You know what yeah. I mean? You still have to, even if you have a manager, you still have to do work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, you, you know, yeah, it's, so. it's this idea of being saved comes down to this. No one's going to save you message we were sharing earlier. It's like, yeah. no, you have to take ownership. It's a decision you need to make and say whatever it takes. I need to take ownership of my career and my and my life. Really, this transfer is not just into our business, but also into our life. And and even though you may not know a lot of these skills, it may not have been part of what you uh, learned training as a musician. You now need to realize that this is now something that people who get results are, are getting those results because they're guiding themselves. They're using their existing resources. They're seeking communities and environments where other people are doing the same. They're being uplifted and they're seeking guidance through people who've done it, who can show right. them the path. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here, but right. you do need to be savvy enough to get yourself supported in the right way. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And then when you, if you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing, people will see that and want to help you. You know, because you do need a team. You know, you can't do it by yourself. You do need a team. That's for sure, but you don't necessarily need you need a team of the right people, not necessarily a, a just a team of anybody. People that believe in your vision, believe what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and they understand the long game. I tell people all the time, music is a long game. If you're coming in here at first trying to get rich when you first start, I'm like, that's probably not the wisest thing to go about that. And I always say this too: you have the music industry the music business and the business of music. It's three different things. You see yes. people often chasing the music industry for, for validation. And what I try to tell people is for most, the music industry, you don't need the music industry to validate you. You really don't. If you understand the music business and conversing and going directly to the people, the people will tell you, the people will validate you. You know, because yeah, the, the truth is the music industry, all the music industry is doing is seeing what's hot and pouring gasoline on it. They have, they 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 are no interest anymore of creating original stuff. They're just like, okay, what, what's hot? What's hot on TikTok? Okay, we're going to go sign the hottest TikTok artist right now. Give them a deal. We don't care about you building, especially if you do some really avant-garde 
stuff that's not commercial. The major record companies are in the business of selling commercial, viable commercial music. If you don't make viable commercial music, then the major record company is probably not what you really need to be going after because you do something that's not viably commercial. You right. know what I mean? And so I try to tell people that, like it's a label, you have to find it, it has to make sense because some people don't make commercially driven songs. They make good music, but it's not gonna sell out crowds. Yeah. You, know, you know, and then with the music business, that's just commerce. You know, obviously, you know, going direct to your audience and things of that nature. And then and then um, the business of music is intellectual property, publishing, copyrights, understanding that, because I think it's so important to understand the basic copyright law. If you want to be a creative, you better understand the basics of copyright law. And the, and the basics of publishing. And you wouldn't be, I mean, so many people have no clue what PROs are. I don't know, what's a PRO? Oh, they know, they just know, I would ask them for BMI or CSAC. They don't, they don't know what, they, they can't even tell you what these things are. They just know, somebody told me to sign up for one of them. It's like, well, I, I asked them, explain to me what they do. And I don't care, they have no clue. They don't know what they do. And it's just interesting to me how much lack, again, lack of education that creatives have who want to make a living doing this and won't invest in the coaching to do it the right way. Yeah, and, and again, this is something that, you know, most of the times they may think, and I've seen this a lot in conversations that I've had with musicians and potential clients, yeah. they feel that they should know these things and they feel a little bit almost embarrassed that they don't. Mm-hmm. So when they need to look at the decision of, investing in themselves in order to gain these concepts to gain this knowledge they feel that they need to have already this knowledge they need to be making already the income that they would like in order to invest in acquiring this knowledge and it's almost like wanting to get fit before you join the gym or wanting to get healthy before you go see the doctor right Mm -hmm. and i'm here to tell you you know and i'm sure you know this it's like in order for you to learn skills you need to invest not just financially but also in terms of time commitment in terms of energy in terms of focus you need to decide you know i'm going to put my energy into this i'm going to put my resources into this so that i can learn these skills that i don't know and once you do that you will see the results because this is how it goes whatever you put your attention and your focus and your resources on you will see grow but you can't expect to have the growth without first putting that initial investment of time energy and resource completely agree i completely agree um yeah so i want to end the episode talking about um like you said earlier about artists staying creators staying true to why they started doing music because people can get overwhelmed on the building of the business we talked earlier about that but uh but why you should always stay true to that and why they you know and still make great music and build their business still make great music but stay true to the art as well as how important are the need for systems in play today? Yeah, I think, again, reminding ourselves of why we are in this industry to begin with is very important. We could be any other professional. We could be lawyers, we could be doctors, we could be, why are we musicians? What is it about this craft that drew us to, to taking this bold career this is not a career for the faint yeah. of heart this right. is by the way there's there's, there's there's much there's much easier things to do in life to make money than music yeah. <laughs> right so yeah. we we chose this bold career this adventurous career this wonderful yeah. career because yeah. we have a gift because we have 
the talent because we know we love cre to create. We right. love music. We love to, to connect communities' performance performances, to create experiences for others through our craft. Right. And to always keep that as our North Star and right. to remind ourselves, how can we build a business and a brand that gravitates around this North Star? Because that's actually what sets us apart. It's that passion, that unique story, that thing that drew us to this craft is what sets us apart. It helps us distinguish ourselves from, from what's out there. Uh, and so to not let that become a back burner item, but to really always bring that up and say, what is it about who I am? that drew me to becoming a musician and making sure that's part of your story, part of your messaging, part of your day-to-day -day life. That's very important. Wonderful. Yeah, so true. And like I said, and also with the need for systems, I think it's so important because I tell artists all the time, you need, a, you need systems. Every successful company works off a system. They all do. Mm -hmm. You go to any McDonald's, at least in America, internationally, you know, you lived internationally, so you know, it's different. You know, McDonald's in Brazil, is going to probably run because the food and drug laws are different and things like that. But for the most part, um, here in America, you go to any fast food chain, they all work the same way. They might be individually owned by different people, but they all work the same way. All you got to do is interchange the parts. It comes back down to systems. And I think so many creatives have to be okay with systems and funnels and and doing that and doing that. And so many of them don't necessarily do that. So I think, I wonder what your opinion is as far as, as systems and are they important? How much value do you put on them? Wow, that is a huge topic. We could do another hour long. Right, 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 right. Topic of systems because uh, I'm a fan of those. I mean, you know, in my own experience, having been able to restructure my brick and mortar music school in Florida and allow it to continue running profitably and even thriving in my absence could not have been possible had I not taken the concept of building systems 100% seriously. Right. Um, up until that point, I didn't really document much of my procedures because I was just there all day, every day. My husband and I were running the business, teaching piano, running the school, doing all the things. But when right. we needed to leave it there and move right. to Texas so that I would take on the job at the University of North Texas, then we really had to take a step back and say like, okay, how are we running this school and how can we optimize it, make it more efficient and ultimately allow it to work without us here? Right. Uh, that completely changed my perspective. And I really believe that now in the work that I do coaching musicians around the world, it is at the forefront. It is right. at the forefront. Even if they start as a team of one, I believe we need to envision what are the different roles that we need to take into consideration for the different aspects of what we're doing right? Uh, and try to create those systems, even if we're all te a team of one at the beginning. Right. We all start right. doing all the different roles yeah. and it's about becoming committed. Again, once again, it's about focusing and deciding I want to put energy into this and deciding to document our systems, to start putting them into like clear processes so that we can outsource them but we can delegate them when the time is right right no it's so true man it, it, it's so true systems are important and, and because I, I tell artists to have an artist that I, I i mentor her name is tor helene really really talented artist that i really love we have a big brother little sister relationship i keep telling her all the time i say look you got great music what you need now are systems she's like oh i don't want to have another year of me creating and nothing happened i said 
You need systems. You need a family. You need a you need, you need a base. You get a hundred fans that love you. That is enough to create your base. You don't need that much. You don't. You need a hundred people that are diehard for you. The only way to do that is to create a system. You know, I told yep. you where where's your your website, your funnel. You know, either you have an email list or a text list. You know, and then create funnels and drive. And this is stuff that you have to do. They want to spend so much time on the videos and these videos, things like that. But you got to put these other things in place. So that you can do those other things, you yep. know. I had to explain Absolutely. to her what the sales funnel is and the process and each process of the sales funnel. And why you got to do what you got to do. You know, even me, I have a funnel. So I have an initial funnel when people come to me, and all I say, hey, look, text me at this number. They text me. It's automated. They think it is. They think it's me, but it's, I'm giving the secret. It's automated, and I have it set up so that way I'm giving value, and I don't even have to talk to them until they set a meeting up with me. So if they can follow right. direct, if they can follow directions, then you know it, it should it, the funnel works without me having to, to to do manually do it. You know, and that's that's just my little system that I create. You know, and that I have. So every all of us need some kind of little system that we have. You know, and I just think it's so important to it's put those. It's the key for freedom. Right. It's the key for freedom. Right. I mean, right. ultimately, that's what we want in our business. We don't want just to create a livelihood for ourselves. We want freedom. Yeah. Especially if you're an entrepreneur, you want to have freedom. Yeah. And so the key to freedom is learning how to be effective and becoming systematic yeah. and documenting yeah. your procedures. So it may feel like it's a lot of upfront work at times. Yes. Yeah. But it's oh, yeah, a it pathway is. to freedom. Right. It right. is a pathway to freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Baba, this has been so wonderful. I've really enjoyed this. Where, where can people connect to you uh, online or so on your socials? Uh, what's yeah. the best way to connect to you? The best way to connect with me is through my website, fabianaclore.com. That's F-A-B-I-A-N-A-C-L-A-U-R-E.com. And I actually have a great resource that your community may enjoy. I have a one a, a training that shows how to build a business on a single sheet of paper. So it's right there on my website. Okay. Uh, and I think your community would enjoy because I walk you through the 10 key steps of kind of packaging your skills into an online profitable business business plan so okay I would love i'm gonna to check that out myself you think. Yeah, yeah it's on my website fabianaclara.com i also have a facebook group that i nurture where i'm presenting trainings every week it's called musicians creating prosperity so yeah. they're welcome to follow me and join me in any of the outlets that i provide wonderful wonderful well it's been a pleasure to have you as my guest today and we could have gone on for for so much longer but like i said i want to respect your time this could have definitely been a three-hour conversation yes (laughs) you know i mean with with the passion we both have but again you know uh i I didn't want to keep you here that long so but uh guys this has been another episode of the encourage inspire podcast and this is your host Darrell Peart. until next time i'm out of here peace